welcome to the Hereby Call podcast, where we focus on preparing the called and reminding the returned by sharing life-changing experiences from serving the Lord. Sit back and relax because you're listening to the best podcast of this dispensation. They're like everything you could possibly imagine. Like losing family members, going through depression and anxiety, being abused by her husband, not having any money, not being able to support her son. And so obviously she was just so weighed down by these heavy trials. And she said she had just barely said a prayer, asking for Heavenly Father to send her someone. And she she felt bad for how she treated us the first time. But she said that she knew because of the light that we had that we were sent from Heavenly Father. Welcome back to the Hereby Called podcast. I'm Jordan, and this is Zach. And today we're joined <laughs> by, by Kennedy Riggs. Um, we're excited. This is the first video attempt. Attempt. So we'll see how this goes. But we're excited that Kennedy's on board. To, yeah, we have to, to share to experiences and make sure we're all proper. So <laughs> let's let's jump into this. Um, Kennedy, what what was the name of your mission? I served in the Belém, Brazil mission. And let's back up real quick. You, when did you start your service? So I left in August of 2019, the very end of August. And you came back because of? The COVID pandemic, that's right. The pandemic. And you've been home for how many months now? About three now. Three months. And you are you awaiting a call or you have a current call? I have a current call. I was reassigned to serve in the Oklahoma City mission. And so I will go July 28th. English speaking? English speaking. Cool. Well, hopefully I'll find some that's Brazilians. That's coming up too. <laughs> yeah, that, that's like in a month. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm sure they have some Brazilian steakhouses there. You oh, <laughs> you know I will pray for that. <laughs> so, Kennedy, backing up, I the way that I met Kennedy is she is a friend of one of my best friend's wives. Wife. Wife. <laughs> oh, jeez. Anyways, she, uh, my Sammy... Mashad, who introduced us, was into rodeo. She was a rodeo queen, and Kennedy's family's into that. So tell us a little bit about, like, how did your rodeo experiences prepare you for the mission? You know what? It's super awesome. So one thing that your friend Sammy and I have been able to do together is something called rodeo queening. And basically, as a rodeo queen, your job is to be the spokesperson or the PR of a rodeo and an organization. So you really get to spiff up on your, your public speaking skills, your public... I mean, okay, can you cut that out? No, it's fine. Your presence, right? <laughs> yeah, your presence, yeah. your people skills, basically. And so a big part of being rodeo queen is being able to make connections with people because you want people to feel loved and want to come to your rodeo. And your job also is to educate people about the rodeo and kind of try to shoot down those myths that are out there, you know? What are some of those myths? Yeah, what are the rodeo <laughs> myths? You know what? A lot of those have to do with, um, you know, PETA and animal abuse type uh, stuff like okay. that. Um, but also just like old time history type of stories with rodeo. So it's awesome because you not only learn, but you get to teach other people and learn how to educate others with love. And so that's something that I got to take with me on my mission that I didn't realize I would use so much, but it was obviously a huge part of what I did out there. So that was a really good part of my preparation. What was your event? As or, a rodeo queen? Yeah, like did you did, did you, you did you run barrels or, or did you do so, the grocery race or <laughs> <laughs> steer got dressing? a little taste of everything. Okay, okay. I've tried steer wrestling on foot. That was not a pretty thing to watch. But um, no, as a rodeo queen, you just stick with the 
the people presence type of thing. Gotcha. But um, there's definitely a lot of the dirty work out there too, like barrel racing. Is it like <laughs> is it a is it a pageant style event? Like how are you it elected? Is so you had to like. It was inspired. Yeah, it was inspired actually by the Miss America organization. But these people took it and said, you know what, let's make this something that's not so much based off of beauty, but inner beauty. So they have a pageant that's really based off of personality. You have to give speeches, do impromptu questions. And obviously horsemanship plays into that too. But it's super fun. Awesome. And that sounds like an awesome mission prep because it's so hard to, it's not natural for anyone to just go up talking to strangers and introducing yourself and you know, of a, a new topic, so or especially the gospel. Totally. But like backing up, so you had this experience. You love people and and talking to them, getting to know them. But what made you want to go on a mission? You know, so this is actually my favorite story. <laughs> um, so I like to tell people the biggest miracle of my mission actually happened beforehand. So I had always kind of had serving a mission in the back of my mind, but it was never something that I was for sure going to do because there were a lot of other things I wanted to pursue after high school. Um, And then, of course, when they changed the age to 19, that changed my thoughts a little bit. But I still thought, okay, I want to do these things. So it's a maybe. Um, But then about four years ago. So one thing actually about my family, we love Brazil. My dad served in Brazil um, for his mission. And ever since then, he's gone back every few years to visit the members and people that he's been able to convert with my mom. And so one year he wanted to take me and my brother, just younger than me. And um, he wanted to show us kind of what the third world country is like, just in case we would ever serve in a mission like that. So we were prepared mentally. And so he took us there and it ended up being the perfect experience that I needed. Like it wasn't just a vacation. Like I got to see people that my dad converted. They cried tears of joy seeing him and told us stories of um, how they had received lessons from him and the miracles that they got to see together. And then not only that, but this just made it that much more special. My cousin was serving in Brazil, not too far from where we were visiting. And um, she got called there after we had planned our vacation already. So we got to go and visit her. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) And we watched her teach a a lesson to- That's cool. Where in Brazil was this? This was in João Pessoa. João Pessoa. Okay, so your dad was served in João Pessoa. He, my dad actually served in the northeast. He served in Maceió and Recife. But João Pessoa was so close, we were like, why not go and visit? That's cool. So, But seeing her serve the people of Brazil made me want to serve the people of Brazil. So I was like, maybe this is something I want to do. And then fast forward to the end of my senior year, and I kind of had my priorities out of whack, and it was still on the back burner. But I just had this one experience. It was simple, but it was profound. And I just felt deeply that I needed to serve a mission. And I remembered those feelings coming back of me wanting to serve those sweet people in Brazil that did so much for me while I was even just visiting their houses. And I was like, I really want to experience that for myself. So I decided to go through with it, started putting in my papers. And my mindset actually was kind of out of whack too. I kind (laughs) of... I'll be honest. I prayed every day, Heavenly Father, I'm going to serve a mission, but only if you let me go to Brazil. (laughs) (laughs) But um, as time went on, as I prepared and put in my papers, my mindset changed and I was just excited to serve wherever he would send me. And I think that that was kind of what I needed to do in order for him to give me what I had prayed for. And so fast forward to when I opened my call and you guys, when I saw the word Brazil on my call, it was like Christmas day. Like, you know, like, you know, when you ask your parents for a present and they say they're never going to give it to you and you get it anyway, like you just feel so loved and so shocked. That was kind of what it was like. But um, that was the beginning of a trend that really continued as a theme throughout my whole mission. I, got, I just felt Heavenly Father's love for me. He knew me personally and like down to my deepest desires, like even the small ones. And so that just continued throughout my whole mission. That's awesome. That is awesome. So, like, 
Um, do you have any older brothers that serve? Like, so you're the, are you the oldest? I am the oldest. Okay. Yeah. So you're, you're paving the trail. So <laughs> that must've been pretty, your dad must've been pretty pumped. Oh, I think he was more excited <laughs> than I was. Like within 10 minutes, at least of opening my call, he had every fact you could possibly think of on my mission, my mission president, everything, but that's awesome. Yeah. It's been a special connection for sure. So from there, um, did you go to Sao Paulo MTC or did you go to, so you went, you didn't go to Provo? No, I was able to go to the Brazil one and just by like a hair, mm -hmm. I almost missed it with my visa, but I was just barely able to go there. And that was awesome. That is cool. I, I it's funny cause we, you're the only other person that we've had on the show that has been to the Brazil MTC. Really? Cause there's all these like, is there like a difference between which MTC you go to? Well, I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, Cause we've interviewed. Well, other like, people, like I said, there's all these like hidden mysteries of the Provo MTC. <laughs> like I didn't even, this is I've never heard about. History, right. But yes. yeah. the, uh, I, I really like the Sao Paulo MTC. Can you still walk around on P days? Oh, yeah. Mr. Cheney's cookies. Yeah. Right across the street. Oh man, that stuff is good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a, for those who might have already gotten their call, and are looking forward to going to Brazil. There's a, a cookie store literally right across <laughs> the street from the MTC. And that's where you go in and you can send emails right back home. But they sell like hot, hot And I think even like parents, correct me if I'm wrong, like parents can pre-buy cookies. So when yeah. you go in on P-Day, like they're already made. Order it. And you know what they're doing now is they can do groceries and random things. Like they'll be like, hey, I want my kid to have Fruit Loops next week. No way. Go pick them up. So they'll have little packages that your parents can buy. <laughs> and they'll just have them with a little note. It's cool. That's cool. Who were your MTC teachers? Oh do you remember? Gosh. Yeah. They honestly are like family to me forever. I only spent six weeks with them. How does that even happen? I don't know. But um, they're both Brazilian. One was from Rio. And his name was Irmão Viana. He's okay. amazing. And then I had um, Irmã Monteiro. And she was from Sao Paulo. Was uh, Irmão Pisanha still there? Pisanha. That sounds familiar, Irmão actually. Irmão Pisanha. Anyways. Pisanha. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um, yeah, there, at least when I was down in the Brazilian MTC, like, they had Guarana on tap. Oh, yeah. Do they still have it? Oh, yeah. Breakfast, yeah. lunch, and dinner, baby. Right? So, <laughs> that was the stuff. While I was down there, like, the there was a new area health guy for the MTCs. And halfway through my MTC stay, he, he shut it down to make us more healthy. And it was like, oh, wow. it was about to be a riot, but that's cool. <laughs> so you're there for six weeks. How, how, how was, how was your time there? Cause my time there was just like a party. Like, <laughs> like we, we, I learned, I barely learned the language. Like, how did you learn? How was you, when you, when you left the MTC, did you feel prepared at all? I did. I really did. I think I felt more spiritually prepared than anything. It was a really special experience being there because just within the six weeks that I was at the MTC, we got to hear from the prophet personally four times. So one of the times he'd come to Brazil to talk to all the members there. Another time he came to talk to the missionaries just in Brazil. And then we had general conference there. So we had a lot of really sacred experiences together. Um, but I think the thing that really affected me the most that I was able to carry throughout my mission was dealing with hardship because I was so excited to go to Brazil that I didn't realize how homesick I would get. I didn't think that happened to me. But um, it absolutely hit me like a wall when I was at the MTC. And it, I was living my dream. I was in Brazil. I was a missionary. But it still, I still felt like I was drowning in homesickness at times. Um, but the experiences I was able to have because my heart was so vulnerable because of that trial were just that much more special. And so I learned there at the MTC from the get-go just how to turn those, those hardships and the pain that you feel in your heart to opening your heart and being able to experience miracles. But. Absolutely. And missions in life are full of, of trials and <laughs> they're, they're what refine us and hopefully not define us, you know, but help us grow and, and become better 
what advice would you give to someone that is experiencing homesickness? Like you mentioned opening your heart, but is there anything else that they can do to? You know what? I know this is kind of cliche, but I just one quote that my dad always said to me leading up to my mission that stuck with me the whole time was forget yourself and go to work. And I know like so many people say that as you go on missions and sometimes it can get caught up in the cliche part of your mind, right? You kind of put in the back burner, but it is so true. When I finally figured out how to forget myself and go to work, my homesickness was washed away. It was absolutely outweighed by just joy getting to work. That's awesome. Yeah, I think, I don't know, maybe you were in the MTC for like 10 days or something like I, that, I, was, right? I think it was like 14 <laughs> or 15. <laughs> yeah, so I, I remember feeling the same way, learning a language, because it's almost like you're in school, right? But you're thousands of miles away from your family, right? And you're learning about the gospel, and you're learning about Christ, and you're you're learning a new language. But then you like go to your room, and you go to study and go to bed, right? It's like usually you're like, oh, I want to see my mom or my family, right? Uh, but once I once you get into the mission field, all of that kind of changes a little bit because now you're you're walking around and you're actually have investigators to teach and stuff like that. So so take us through you 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 leave São Paulo, you go to Belém. What was that like? Because Belém is like right on the equator. So give us like wh- what were your first <laughs> yeah, impressions yeah, you, of Belém? You said your dad gave you a lot of like facts about it. Like what are just facts about <laughs> Belém that people need to know? You know, a few interesting ones. Okay, first of all, Belém, this is a fact. It ain't even opinion. It is the best place in the whole world. The best. The crime <laughs> rates are high. Oh, There's yes. trash everywhere. It's just a beautiful place. <laughs> but um, no, it's like an Amazon port city. So it's actually right on the Amazon River. And so it's really cool because they have just all types of fish. I mean, they're Amazon River fish and it's not anything too fancy but it's super fun because they have all these different markets everywhere um they're always playing this specific type of music that will be burned in my mind forever it's called sertanejo yeah it's like Um, country music well yeah like brazilian Brazilian country country. it's so funny vittori leo who did you listen to oh yeah that's it baby (laughs) mendoza the girl yeah Yeah. um but it (laughs) sangalo I'm sorry, all, all, of no, all these things all are coming back. I'm trying to remember there's just one kid, and I listen to him still. I can't remember his name. I'll, 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 Charlie Brown Jr. Yeah, that's a good band. He's really good. Um, and she's in. Brazilian country music. I've never well, it's, even, it's, I can't even fathom that, but it's, it's, just kind it's of different, same, but it's... Yeah. Is it similar to country, U.S. country music, or no? It's it's their Not version really, of country. But it's like their version of country. Like, the Cowboys down there will listen to that. But um, Yeah. I, don't know, I guess that's the only way we would classify what? this country because the <laughs> Cowboys listen like to it. Links so people can. Yeah, I, I, I could probably play some, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, so. Oh, it's awesome. So it's it's the Amazon River. Mm-hmm. High density, uh, yeah. population, tons of crime. Totally, and that's in the inner city. So the inner city billing itself is kind of almost like a rundown New York. It's super packed in, total inner city. But as you go out, there's a lot of interior. So that's more of like the rural areas. And there's a lot of those within our mission. Our mission covers two states. Um, And so it's pretty big, and it has a lot of diverse different environments and areas. Um, But one thing that Belém and the state of Pará, which is Belém is in the state of Pará, it's famous for acai, and that's where acai comes from. It's the only place in the world that actually grows it. And it is amazing there. It's like even other places in Brazil don't have the same acai that they have there. It's incredible. Acai is pretty good, dude. Have you had acai? I've had acai, but I don't get like the, to me, it's like what healthy people are like crazy about. It's like, no, well, it's it's different. It's like they eat it like an ice cream. It's different there, though. Yeah. Here they put it into like a little sorbet and it's kind of tart. No. There they take it straight from the plant, they puree it, and they'll eat it without sugar. It just tastes like avocados. They'll eat it with fish, with chicken. It tastes like dirt. 
Like I can, Basically. it tastes like earth, like a earthy. Like but I don't know, an avocado tastes like, like a vegetable. Like yeah, it just tastes very know. earthy. He's right. I'll just but have it to grows go there on you. It's so good. It. But we, when they put it with sugar, it's divine. It's, oh, it's so awesome. we would we would sprinkle uh, leche con no no le oh powdered milk. Uh huh. We put powdered milk on it. It's so good. It's actually so good. You wouldn't think. Like, Maybe not it's a shake. Like, you thing. just, like... No, it's like, you, if you got a bowl of acai, I would pour powdered sugar on it. And guarana. Little... They put the powdered milk. You could put fruit. They'd always put um, sweet condensed milk. Banana. Oh, banana. Yeah. So, banana. I had I had some quick, like, quick hitter questions. Okay. The speed round. What was your favorite food? Oh. I'm gonna have to go with acai. What was... Even over, like, churrasco? Chihasco there wasn't the same. Oh, okay, okay. Keep it's going. It's pretty poor. Favorite drink? Guarana. No. Oh. Yeah, I'm going to say Guarana. Tubaina. What was the coolest new animal to you? Oh, good question. Like, what was, that what, is a what good was question. new? Because there had been, like, different, like, yeah. creatures. and. You know what? My favorite one was the piranha because we'd eat them there. There would be guys in our ward for, like, a family night, and they'd just go grab some piranha and throw them on the grill. That's How big cool. are they? They're pretty big. Really? There's some big guys. Yeah. Like the size of a dinner plate. Yeah. And uh And well, they're red. They have red bellies. Anyways. <laughs> from all the human blood. <laughs> <laughs> what what was what was the best mistake you made with the language? Best mistake. <gasps> like you said one word and you thought it was a different word and, Oh man. Or you heard something and it wasn't what you thought you heard. <laughs> you know what? This is a bad story, but I was FaceTiming my dad once. This is the very beginning when my Portuguese was still pretty rough. And, of course, my dad helped me with that I, as we were able to call every week, which that was such a blessing. Um, but there was one day when I was like, Dad, I learned some bad words this week. I had no <laughs> idea were bad words. And he's like, you know, it's a really good word you can say because my dad loves to joke around. And he said a total swear word in Portuguese. And I said it out loud. We're in cyber. We're in a little <laughs> cyber cafe. And yeah. all the Brazilians in there turning like, oh, sister. <laughs> Awful. So embarrassing. I had to explain to everyone that my dad's a jokester and it was his fault. But... Um, no, that was really embarrassing, and I learned to never say that again. <laughs> Don't take advice from your dad. <laughs> that's, that's the moral. I'm, I'm like, I want to ask what it was, but uh, well, we can <laughs> we can sure, find I'm out sure what that was later. <laughs> so we'll, we'll jump into it. A lot of kind of when we talked before, a lot of the defining moments of your mission were trials that you had. For sure. Tell us about getting worms. Oh my gosh! Guys. <laughs> I just <laughs> jump right into it. Well, how did you get worms? Yeah. Great what did you get question. worms from? So there was one day. So. Let me tell you something about Belang. It's like this in a lot of areas in Brazil and a lot of third world countries, but you can't drink the water that the right. just the local people have, right? We have to get filtered water. We have to buy it specially for us to have in our house, but most people don't have the kind of money to do that. So what they'll have is this kind of like this plastic can on the top of their roofs, and when it rains, because it rains a lot, um, the water will just come right through, and they drink that water, and they use it. And obviously their bodies are totally immune to it because that's what they've been drinking forever. But us little American girls, that's not what we're used to. So there was one day my companion and I were out and it was super hot. We had walked miles that day and I didn't bring my water bottle. The one time I didn't bring it and my companion was out of water and we went to teach this one investigator, sweetest lady ever. She gives everything. She doesn't have anything, but what she does have, she'll give. And of course she gives us a cup of cold water. And I knew, I just had a gut feeling. I shouldn't <laughs> have done it, but what did I do? I drank the whole thing. And I kid you not, not, not even within an hour, both me and my companion were like dying. Oh our gosh. stomachs were just wrecked. And yeah, that was the beginning of our Gethsemane, so to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I tell Jordan this all the time. Um, I, I probably should have 
used filtration, but I didn't, and I did get worms. Oh. Uh, but I remember just like saying a prayer over a glass of water, being like, <laughs> "Just please don't kill me. Like, <laughs> just please, please taste normal." <laughs> you can like see the sand like settling in the oh bottom. You're like, "Oh, jeez." <laughs> so true. Oh man. So so it all came from the water. We Nothing so. you ate. You know what? But that's the funny thing. That same night. These investigators took us out to get pizza, and they have this really weird food. They're called jambu, and it's a leaf that when you eat it, it makes your tongue numb. And so I was like, I haven't tried this before, but it is a staple food there in Billing. They love eating it. So I was like, we got to get that because they had jambu pizza. And so we got that, and I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just because of the water, but I felt 100 times worse after we ate that. So <laughs> I can and we were, after that, for like the next 36 hours, we were in bed just like in fetal position oh my <laughs> praying goodness. for help. 36 yeah. hours. Just about. Yeah. Oh, my god! I had dengue fever twi- oh, twice on my mission. That's and it was, brutal. And it was kind of like that. but That's brutal. I never really, I did get sick because of some, some of the things I ate. But So oh, what, what advice do you, what, what, what are you supposed to do when you have worms? What do you do? Take Find pill. good health care. Yeah. <laughs> Get an antibiotic. The thing is, and so this is one thing about my time as a missionary. I was sent right away to the farthest area from our mission president's house, <laughs> middle of nowhere, which is awesome. It was so extremely hard, but it was totally my dream. And so it's a little town called Orishimina. It's like a little village. But the one downside to that is they, they already don't have good health care, even in Billing. But when you get out to those outskirts, there is nothing. So we went to like the public health care place, which is like an outdoor doctor's office. I couldn't trust anyone. It was so scary. But luckily, obviously, prayers have a lot of power. And so we prayed to just get the right amount of care that we needed. And we did. So we went. They hooked us up to an IV. They gave us some antibiotics. And through time, we were okay. But <laughs> that was an interesting experience, to say the least. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, I've spent my uh, fair share of time in a Brazilian hospital. Oh, man. They're not very fun, huh? <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> what, what are some other trials that you had that kind of shaped you and your, your faith? Um, you know, I was very humbled on my mission because, you know, before I went on a mission, I, I had a testimony, and it was pretty firm. But I didn't have the knowledge that I needed, really. And that's not a problem. You can totally serve a mission without all the knowledge you think you need. But I was very humbled when I I got to be paired up with this girl from Mexico. And she will forever, I swear she's one of my celestial friends. Like, I know we were friends before this life. It was such a special experience being with her. But um, she was spicy. She was very blunt (laughs) and forward. And if I did something wrong, she would tell me. And that was new to me because my previous companion before that was super lovey-dovey, mushy-gushy. And so I got a taste of both. Um, but I was super humble to the ground because she, she was just such an expert in everything scripture-wise. Like, she knew every story to the T. And I just sat there with wide eyes like, how the heck do you know all <laughs> this? But um, that was probably one of my bigger, my bigger trials is I kind of had to find the fine line between humility and self-deprecation as a missionary. Mm. So when you're at those moments of being humbled because those are obviously never fun what did you learn about yourself as a not only as a missionary but as a daughter of your heavenly father what did you learn about yourself in those moments it's a good question you know i've got to say the biggest thing i've learned probably through those moments um is the fact that i have more potential than maybe i think because there were a lot of moments on my mission when i was like i can't even speak portuguese straight and like how could i even explain this story in the scriptures, you know, but when you are in a partnership with Heavenly Father, when you really rely on him, him together with your efforts, 
seriously can do the unimaginable. And I got to see that with my own eyes and myself and my companions and investigators that were able to change their lives. It is just like, seriously, when you read the scripture that says everything is possible through Christ, that is literally exactly accurate. Everything is possible through Christ. And so I was able to learn things I needed to. I was able to become fluent in Portuguese. And it wasn't easy, but when I put forward my effort and I relied on Heavenly Father, that's when everything clicked. That's awesome. They say, tudo posso naquele que me fortalece. Amém, irmão. I don't know what's going on right now. <laughs> no, that's a scripture she said. I, get, but I, I don't know what it is in English. Proverbs, or I don't know, but I could do anything through he, him that strengthens like me. Like Proverbs oh. 316, or no, I don't know. It's something like that. <laughs> 32. It, it's like all literally. It's Philippians 413. <laughs> it's, it's painted on every single building in Brazil. Seriously? Like, <laughs> the one I can't name. Philippians, but, Proverbs, I don't know. It starts with a P. So, but that's that's such a common, it's not just missionaries, the self-deprecation humility. This is a problem that all members of the church have. Totally. That I think we, we know that perfection is the goal, but we'll never achieve that in this life. Absolutely. We have to we have to rely on Jesus Christ. That's why he came. And so we get like so upset with ourselves and it's tough because you see other people, maybe like your companion who are better at certain aspects of the gospel than you are and you're better than other people at certain aspects of the gospel and it's so easy to say oh, I'm not there yet. And yeah. I'm I'll, I'm just I don't know. Comparison and can kill. Comparison kills. It robs joy. Totally. And um yeah, I mean what advice cuz you're going to go back on your mission you can go back. You can go to Oklahoma. Do you start over or do you kind of? I, I still have the same end date. So okay. I will end the same day I would have in Brazil. Okay. Wait, wait. So they're not. Okay. Wow. It's so get, weird. Yeah. It's not like you. they the subtract your home. No. That's well, Like that's this so time right now this is my mission. mission. <laughs> that's Bring crazy. Yeah. Well. This would be a good crazy mission story. Yeah. That is, that is crazy. Um. I had a question, but I can't remember what it was. <laughs> it's all good. No, I was just gonna say when you when you go to Oklahoma, there's gonna be you're gonna have a companion, and they're gonna beat themselves up. Like, what are you gonna say to help them out? Oh my gosh, I think honestly, the best thing I can do is share my own experience with them. I don't think there's anything really you can say that can help someone in that situation because when people would try to help me, nothing really changed my mindset. But when I heard other people's stories of them going through the same thing and getting out of it okay. That's when I was like, I can do this too. And I'm going to have my own conversion story through this trial. So I definitely say just sharing my own experiences with them and sharing with them how I got through it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you're definitely going to have a different outlook having served foreign and then serving domestic as well. For like, sure. There's a lot, of, um, a lot of those trials that you experienced having served in Brazil. You know, not to say that a lot of people in the States don't experience trials, but they're different trials, right? And that's just going to shape you that much better when you go into Oklahoma with companions, with investigators, with members of the church there, Absolutely. which is really exciting. So who's someone from Brazil that you're always going to remember? That's a good question. Do you mean like companion-wise, investigator-wise, or just anyone maybe, in general? Maybe that had like the biggest impact on your testimony. Okay. So it could have been an investigator, your mission president, uh, whoever. Okay. Oh, there's so we really so didn't many. narrow it down. <laughs> <laughs> you, know you know what? There are so many. I Seriously, every single person that crossed my path was like, it crossed my path perfectly. And if they wouldn't have, like, it just wouldn't, everything just fit together perfectly. But if there was one person I would have to say strengthened my testimony the most, it would have to be this girl named Josiani. And um, she was just a 
random local in that village, Orishimina, and it was towards my end of the time, end of my time in Orishimina before I got transferred, and I was with my Mexican companion, Sister Rodriguez, and um, there was one day when I was just, that specific day was not my day. I was just feeling so, I don't know, I was really down on myself that day. I just didn't feel like I really was doing as good of a job as my companion. Kind of felt like she was carrying the team, you know, sometimes that's true. Um, but that specific day, she was like, hey, do you remember that one girl that we met that was hanging up her clothes on the clothesline that one time? I was like, yeah. And she's like, let's go back to her. And at first I was like, no way, Jose. Like, she was really rude to us the first time <laughs> we saw her. She wanted nothing to do with us. And that kind of frustrated me. But my companion felt in her heart that we needed to. And so I was like, okay, let's trust it. Let's go. So we did. And I kid you not, you guys, we got there and she had been crying. And she was going through some of the heaviest trials I've ever heard of a human being going through, like everything you could possibly imagine. Like losing family members, going through depression and anxiety, being abused by her husband, not having oh, wow. any money, not being able to support her son. And so obviously she was just so weighed down by these heavy trials. And she said she had just barely said a prayer, asking for Heavenly Father to send her someone. And she she felt bad for how she treated us the first time, but she said that she knew because of the light that we had that we were sent from Heavenly Father. And the experience I was able to have with her, <laughs> sorry, my voice doesn't sound very pretty <laughs> right now. <laughs> but you guys, the experience I was able to have with her was just unlike any other. Um, we were able to return and help her with her depression and she just felt like a piece of trash. She didn't think she had any value at all. And I think that was the biggest thing I got to see in her change. She. She learned of her value through reading the Book of Mormon and learning about the gospel. And just by doing that, her life was changing little by little. Every time we went back to see her, her life was, she just had a bigger light inside of her and she was getting her life together. And it was just insane because not only was she seeing that for herself for the first time, but I was seeing that again. And it reminded me of how powerful the gospel of Jesus Christ is. It literally has the power to change our lives, to change us as people and as spirits. And so that is one thing that has, totally affected my testimony and it will resonate with me forever um and i hope i can share that story with investigators that i'll find in oklahoma even to help them experience the same thing that's awesome that's beautiful yep it's also like i think it's it's a, it's a mentality switch when you when you feel like you have the potential to be the answer to somebody else's prayer right and that you're you're just a you get to be a part of that experience that Heavenly Father is using you as a tool to help this person in their time of need. Yeah, I think you're definitely going to be able to share that in Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the biggest lesson as a missionary that you are the tool, and it, you know if yeah. you're in the right place at the right time, you can change people's lives. Let's Absolutely. talk about that for a second, also, because there's an important dynamic there. You, your companion, had that inspiration, that feeling, but you right off the bat were like, "No yeah. way." Uh, and that happens, right? That totally. happens quite a, a few times on your, you know, at least on, on my mission, I was sitting there like not necessarily disagreeing with my companion, but I wasn't on the same wavelength or whatever. And then miracles happen. So I don't know. I, th I feel like we need to dissect that a little bit. Like you're going to have um, disagreances with your companion. You're going to have little things like that. But you, as much as you are different, you are working together right? Absolutely. Heavenly Father can't help that person without sending you both there, you yeah. know? I don't know. I, I feel like sometimes missionaries, and I speak, when I say missionaries, I, because I was one of them, um, 
it's almost like you disagree with your companion because you like Jordan or whoever just wants to disagree. Not, you know what I'm saying? But well, when there's such a bigger picture there, yeah. mm-hmm. it, it's tough because the experience that you had earlier was, was a logical experience. Like, Oh, she yelled at us. She's not interested. Like let's, totally. let's never go back. Like, <laughs> yeah. Why would I waste my time? I yeah. But man, I think, I think and you already, you already said it, but you learn how much Heavenly father loves his children. That even if they yelled at one of his representatives, like, that's fine. Absolutely. We're going to help you out. Like, that's never, that you, you're never written off as a child of God. Mm-mm. Yeah. So, that was a beautiful story. That, <laughs> yeah. was, that was a really awesome. <laughs> Thank I think you. we just ended there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anyone else that you want to talk about in Brazil or or maybe your mission president, maybe someone that had oh. an impact on you as, as a disciple of Jesus Christ? My mission president was awesome. And funny connection, actually. My dad served in his ward as a missionary. No way. They already knew each other. So he's a, he's a, he's a awesome. native? Yeah, he's from Hasifi. So that was a super fun connection. Um, one thing that I learned from him was really how to love because he was super awesome about keeping us obedient, but the biggest thing he always focused on was love, and he was so encouraging. And I seriously, I don't remember one time being with him and not feeling like I was his daughter. Like, he just made every one of us feel so loved, and that made me want to feel my investigators. That made me want to make my investigators feel loved. Um, But that was super awesome to experience, too, because I know he was going through his own trials. Mm. Of course, mission presidents face a lot. Um... But that kind of gave me a little boost to every time I got to see him to be reminded of things he's going through, but he's giving everything to, you know, put his best foot forward for the work of the Lord. So he was a really big influence on me too. Awesome. That is cool. So you're, you're coming back. I guess t- tell us kind of about your experience with the coronavirus and finding out that you'd be coming home. You know what? It's so interesting because... I can't even tell you how many miracles have happened because I've been home. Really? It's, this is absolutely a piece of my mission. And I know I'm not set apart as a missionary right now wearing my name tag every day, but I, I know that this is a part of my work to do. So <laughs> coming home was devastating as it was to any missionary being sent home from their original mission. I was just absolutely crushed. Um, when I first got the news, we were in, <laughs> we were in the main house for all the sisters and it was in the middle of a transfer. So there were like 21 of us sisters in one house at one time. And I was one of two Americans there, maybe three. Um, So we were definitely a minority and they had been joking about the coronavirus, which I, by the way, didn't have any clue what it was until a week before that. So crazy. And then they're like, oh, we're all gonna get sent home, like even the Brazilian girls. And then sure enough, we got a call and our APs are like, sisters, the Americans are going home, pack your bags, you're leaving tomorrow. And out. I seriously did not believe it. And I just broke down. I've never sobbed like a, more like a baby ever in my life. I just hugged my teddy bear and cried. But um, it was cool because my last moments there in Brazil, we were in the airport for like 12 hours maybe waiting for our flight. And me and one girl named Sister West, we were like, these are our last moments in Brazil. Let's go make them count. So we got to go and tracked and we met really cool people at the airport and had some like special experiences that I wouldn't have expected. So that was really special. But being home... This is the most special part about it. The being home, um, I have come home to like the most, I guess the hardest time that my family's ever faced and I'm here with them for it. Um, I got to come home a week before, I guess it was a week or two before my grandma got diagnosed with cancer and she's pretty young. And so that was shocking to our family, of course. And it was even more shocking finding out how serious it was. Um, And so I know that my mom needed someone to come and back her up while my dad's at work. Or I knew that, even for me personally, it would be so hard to be in, 
on my mission in a, in a different country and only talking to my family on a once a week basis when things like this are happening. So that's a tender mercy for Heavenly Father giving that to me. Um, and then my grandpa, this is one of the most special things that's happened to me ever. Um, my grandpa got diagnosed with lung cancer a couple years ago. It was like two and a half years ago. And when I said bye to him before my mission, we both knew it was probably my last goodbye. And I totally accepted that. It, of course, it was so hard, but we know the plan of salvation. But um, as he lived on, he kept living, he kept living. And I started just, I don't know why, I knew it was unrealistic, but my heart just for some reason felt enough hope to ask Heavenly Father for a chance to see him again. And so I was like, please, if it be that I will, let me see my grandpa one more time before he passes on to the other side of the veil. And I, I didn't believe that it would really happen but I still asked for it. And fast forward to this coronavirus thing, I'm sent home, my grandpa and grandma need 24 hour care. And who's here that doesn't have a full-time job that's not <laughs> going to school? I am. So I got to spend like seriously on an everyday basis with my grandparents. I got to hear of his life stories, get to know him better. I, he strengthened my testimony just hearing of him and his mission. And I got to take care of him and spend some last moments with him. And I got to be here with my family when he passed away. And that was the most special part about it. I knew that my family needed someone else here to help and support. And I got to be here myself for his funeral. And so all of that has just worked together to be a perfect miracle. Um, as far as the mission work goes, when I came home, I'm sure a bunch of the COVID missionaries can relate to this, but it was hard imagining that I would just be dropped in the deep end of not doing missionary work all of a sudden. I mean, of course, we're all missionaries, but it's not the same. And so I've totally just prayed asking Heavenly Father for an, an opportunity to serve and somehow just share with someone what I've learned in Brazil. And sure enough, two days after I got home from Brazil, I was so sad. And one of my childhood best friends who's not a member texts me. And he's like, hey, I don't know when you're ever going to see this, but I want to talk about the church. And I was like, uh, I just got home because of the coronavirus. Do you want to come <laughs> over? He's like, no way. He's like, oh, crap. <laughs> so he starts coming over. And we're just talking, just as friends about the church. And it was awesome because I was able to share with him experiences that I've had in Brazil within my life and just in general talking as friends. And so it was super natural and comfortable. And then through time, he got more curious and he started talking to the missionaries and I got to teach lessons with the missionaries to him. And I have seen him change as a person. That is awesome. It's been incredible. And now he's on baptismal day to get baptized on my birthday. Wow. Which is so amazing. Um, yeah, you're still serving I, your mission. <laughs> like, I should have asked you the question, like, how has coronavirus been an awesome blessing? Because <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it's slowing you down at all. Right? And I would have never thought, like, this has just taught me I need to trust Heavenly Father. Because on that plane ride home, I was so mad at him, I'll be honest. I was like, why the heck would you give me my dream and just take it away from me? And it was such a selfish thing to think, but I totally thought like, I had no hope. Like I didn't know at that point if I was even going back on a mission. And little did I know that like, not even two weeks later, I would be seriously like doing exactly what I never would have even thought up of. Like I couldn't even dream up this situation, you know, but it's perfect. So I don't know, All this whole situation has been amazing. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm speechless. Like, well, cause we, we've had how many People come four, home four, four. and every every. It's interesting because every one that we've interviewed, it's been really quick, right? We we had one that was in São Paulo, and same thing. He found out like the day before. All right, time to go home, and they're like, "Whoa, what the heck?" You know. But at the same time, his, his message was buying to my plan, buying to my plan, buying to my plan, right? And like it seems the same for you. It's like absolutely. It just it didn't slow down. It just changed a little bit. Mm -hmm. You're right. You're now you're home. You're with your grandparents. Your friends are getting baptized. I mean, yeah. that's and that's then, like, I was gonna that, say that 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 like people go their entire missions, right? And 
and have great success stories and stuff like that. But people also go their entire lives without sharing that with a, with a friend. Mm-hmm. Right. And that to me is, it's amazing. Right. My dad's not a member of the church. Right. And so seeing like, yeah, I, I went to my mission and I had all this fun and, you know, I was in Brazil and then I came home and it kept going and now my best friend's getting baptized. That is so beautiful. I, I'm almost crying. I, it's been amazing. I can't believe I'm a part of it. I just feel so lucky, but it definitely, I, everything just falls into place to show me the heavenly father's plan is perfect. You just need to trust him. Yeah. Yeah. And something that you said was it wasn't how you thought it would go, but it was, it was better. It was absolutely. And that, I think that's the same for everyone's mission. Like you, you don't know what you're expecting. We're just life. It's just life. Like yeah. you go out there and like, it's hard, but it's like the, the blessings are so beautiful. Yeah. It's different, but it's beautiful. It's definitely worth it. Absolutely. That's definitely prepared me for life, too, because I didn't have this perspective before. But now, going forward after my mission, I'll be able to remember how this all turned out and be able to be like, hey, this is not what I wanted, but Heavenly Father, I'm going to give this to you, and I know you'll make something perfect of it. It just makes beautiful things out of a mess. (laughs) It's awesome. Yeah. So you're coming home, you're one of thousands of missionaries, right? And so if there's... a, a missionary who's come home due to the COVID-19 and is having a hard time deciding whether to go back out or just a hard time in general buying into this plan. What would, what would be your, your 10 second uh, elevator pitch to them? Oh man, I don't even know how to pack everything into 10 seconds, but well, dude, <laughs> like if you could sum it up, like, cause obviously you made the decision to go back to Oklahoma and you're, you're having these amazing experiences having been, been home. Right. If, there's, there's people out there that are having a hard time with this. What would Absolutely. you tell them? I mean, obviously, it's all on a personal basis. So maybe Heavenly Father has different plans for all of us. You know, maybe some of these missionaries are needed at home. Maybe some of them are needed again in the field. But all of it goes off of the latest theme that has been falling through all the conferences is personal revelation. Because if I hadn't prayed for this for myself, I wouldn't have served a mission in the first place. And I wouldn't have decided to go back out again. But I know this is what I need to do. And I've had so many confirmations of that. So if you... If you just do one thing over everything else, keep a good relationship with Heavenly Father and figure out how he talks to you. Because if you can get his answers and know that those are from him, then you can know with faith, just going forward with whatever you do, that you're doing the right thing. <laughs> that was pretty good to me. <laughs> it's, it's good. It's important. It's it's as much of a personal relationship with your Heavenly Father. And, a, and yeah, it comes down to all your personal revelation, at, you know, not only having been home, but do I need to go back out? Do I need to go to school? This, that, and the other thing. Yeah. All comes down to your relationship with your Heavenly Father. Yeah. So this is a super historic time of the world, but also the missionary work. What are the options for someone that comes home early from their mission due to the coronavirus? So we were sent out an email. Let me see if I can remember. It gave us a couple options. Basically, you could choose to go back out or stay home. But If you were to go back out, you could choose to stick with your original end date. You could choose to something like go back out within the next 10 to 12 months and finish the rest of the time that you would have had on your mission. Um, Or you could choose to right away get reassigned. And what I chose, what was the exact option? Dang it. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Well, I obviously chose to go back out, so I got reassigned. (laughs) (laughs) But but you you could have waited to get reassigned uh-huh. to go back but it might have been a year a or lot so of people later. were like hoping that they could go back to their original missions and of course that's what i was wanting but i knew that i need to just 
go back out. I need to go back out. So that's why I chose that. But I think a lot of people were choosing that one option, like go back out to your original mission within 10 to 12 months. Um, for yeah. That, yeah. That's a pretty big window. Yeah. yeah. It's a big gap of time. And, so, and there's no promise in that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot that can change in 10, 12 months. So now you're going to be going to Oklahoma City. Or Oklahoma. Huh? Is it the Oklahoma City mission? Or? Yeah. Okay. So within 10 seconds, your dad had all the facts. Uh, like, <laughs> like how, how did that work? Did you did you get a, another mission call? Yeah, basically. So I remember my state president called me. I was so out of the blue. I was not expecting it. And he was like, hey, you just got reassigned. And I was like, you're kidding me. And he's like, hey, get your family together and FaceTime me in a couple hours. So we FaceTimed him. And he pulled up for me to read the, the letter that the church sent to him. And it basically said, yeah, Sister Riggs has been reassigned to the Oklahoma City Mission. The biggest thing that stuck out to me was that letter included the part that said um, she has been reassigned by a, quorum of the 12, a member of the Quorum of the Twelve. Please help her understand the sacredness of her call. And that hit me because even at that point when I got reassigned, I was so stuck on Brazil that I, was, I just didn't even want to go anywhere else. Um, but the sacredness of my call, I just pondered on that and I'm like, it doesn't matter where the heck I am. I'm a missionary, yeah. and my job is to just bring others closer to Christ no matter where I am. So that's, if that's in my house, that's with my grandpa, my best friend, doesn't matter. I'm a missionary. So that's when I, I finally just accepted it, and now I'm probably just as excited to go to Oklahoma as I was to go to Brazil, which is <laughs> crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, though. You're going to have a good time. I'm excited. <laughs> it'll, it'll be a good time. <laughs> Jordan served in Mississippi, which if you look at the map behind you is— boom. Is around towards Oklahoma. It's not too far. My mission oh, had yeah. a little bit of Texas, and it actually had Texarkana, really? which borders Oklahoma. But so you got the Bible Belt too. I had the Bible Belt. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it, was a, it was a beautiful time, and you'll learn you'll learn the New Testament probably better than I don't know. I'm sure you learned it in Brazil, but you'll learn it in English. I need it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it'll it'll be a blast. That's awesome. So, wrapping up, are there any other things that we need to address? church is true <laughs> Did, would you mind bearing your testimony in in portuguese Ooh, of course okay oh this is making me all sentimental <laughs> well gente eu sei realmente que essas mensagens que nós compartilhamos como missionários são verdadeiras eu sei que elas têm o poder de mudar as nossas vidas e tem mudado a minha vida é por isso que sou missionária e eu sei que jesus cristo vive e realmente ele veio para o mundo para pagar nossos pecados. E ele vivia uma vida perfeita. Ele morreu na cruz por, por nós, pessoalmente. E ele estabeleceu sua igreja e foi restaurado de novo uns 200 anos atrás, por meio de Joseph Smith. E eu sei que realmente ele foi um profeta de Deus. Mas ainda hoje em dia temos um profeta de Deus também. E Russell M. Nelson. E ele nos guia. E realmente com ele e os conselhos dele... Também com as escrituras, a gente tem um mapa perfeito para nos guiar, para voltar à presença de Deus. E eu sei que o Evangelho de, o evangelho de Jesus Cristo tem o poder de mudar as nossas vidas completamente. Mudar a, a nós mesmos como pessoas. E eu tenho mudado muito por meio do Evangelho dele. E é por isso que eu quero tanto compartilhar isso com todo mundo. Porque realmente... Não existe uma alegria maior que a alegria que vem do Evangelho de Jesus Cristo. E é inexplicável, realmente. Mas eu sei que milagres existem. Quando a gente orar em fé, a gente pode ver essas coisas e reconhecer os milagres no dia a dia, nossas vidas. 
eu sei que Deus nos ama porque Ele é nosso Pai Celestial. Realmente, perfeitamente, Ele nos conhece. E é por por isso que Ele criou esse plano. E Ele deu todas essas coisas para a gente porque Ele nos ama. eu sei realmente que a Igreja de Jesus Cristo dos Santos dos Últimos Dias é a Igreja de Jesus Cristo, realmente, e o reino dEle aqui na Terra. Eu sou muito grata por saber isso. Mas eu deixo o meu testemunho com minha gratidão em nome de Jesus Cristo. Amém. 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 Sounds good Portuguese. Thank you. Thanks again for for coming on and sharing your your experiences and your testimony. And I'm just one like I don't know if we've been speechless so many times. But <laughs> you you have so much wisdom for your age. Like you just have such a good head on your shoulders, and you're, you're gonna be a great missionary in Oklahoma. Thank you guys. Well, thank you for having me. It's brought me back. <laughs> yeah, well, it's good. And and again, kind of piggybacking off of your friend. Um, there's a lot of non-members who have listened to this as well because they, they, they don't necessarily know what goes into being a missionary, right? They know you disappear for two years and you learn a language sometimes and you <laughs> sure. come back, right? You but, come back a different person. <laughs> what happened during those two right. years? Or so this will be awesome um, for you to share with all your friends and, and just kind of paint the picture of what happened because I, I don't, you probably didn't even have a chance to have a homecoming speech, right? So not, 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 really. not really anybody knows how your mission in Brazil went, but now you have the opportunity to share this with your family, your friends, you know, your grandkids and stuff yeah. like that. Like, um, no, we're just excited. Oh, I'm excited to see what happens next. And yeah, you're, You're going to be a great missionary. You are a great missionary. Aww, yeah. Should, should we just confirm right now? Will you Will you do part two when you come back? <laughs> yeah. From Heck yeah, I will. When, when is your return date I'll or your back, end date? Give or take the 23rd of February. Okay, let's right. make it happen. We'll, I'll, I'll send you an email <laughs> and we'll, we'll schedule it. Yeah. I'll see y'all then. <laughs> yeah. And, right. and, until then, like and subscribe. And uh, <laughs> hope we'll, you guys we'll enjoyed you guys the video. <laughs> in the future. Take it easy, guys.